Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and welcome to our women's meeting. We have a group of women here and out there that are endeavoring to walk in the power of God, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not with words. It's not with feelings. It's with power. And that's what we're endeavoring to walk in. And we do that by obeying the, God, the, the gospel. You know what? There is nothing impossible with God. There is nothing impossible with God. There is nothing, not even you. There is nothing impossible with God. Nothing, if you will believe. That is the same God that opened up the Red Sea for two million people to walk through on dry land. There is nothing impossible. Nothing. He can fix any situation. And if he needs something, he'll create it. Amen? Yeah. Now he can open with prayer. My heavenly father. My heavenly father. My heavenly father. There is nothing impossible with you. I give thanks, Jesus said, if you will believe. Didn't I say you would see the glory of God? Father, we believe. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear you. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light. From the power of Satan and you. And we ask this, Father. I ask for that spirit of grace on this meeting. Father, I thank you for that spirit of grace. You are the God of all grace. Father, I thank you for that spirit of grace on this meeting. And that we can see your glory. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to look at a word today that I didn't even hear until I came to Water of Life. I want you to turn to us first, Samuel 15. This is a word that's all through the Bible, but I tell you what, I never heard it until I came here. All right, Samuel says in verse 22, he said, Samuel's talking to... Um, Saul. And Saul didn't do what God told him to do. Get that? And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the, obeying the voice of the Lord? I'm going to read that again. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of lambs. To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of lambs. For rebellion, where's rebellion come in? When you don't obey. When you don't obey. For rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. God asked Saul to go to a city, to go to a place and annihilate everybody and everything in it. Saul didn't do that. He annihilated everybody except the king and the best of the livestock. And you know what God called that? Rebellion. And Saul said, well, we just wanted to sacrifice the good stuff to you. Rebellion. Rebellion. Saul thought he was doing something nice. He thought he was letting the people do something honorable. Blessing. And God called it rebellion. He called it rebellion. And you know what? Saul lost his kingship. He not only lost his kingship, he lost his family. He lost his own son. They all died together. God was done. 
word obedience, when I first heard it, I thought, my God, obedience? I mean, we were, I was brought up in a denominational church. We thought we were doing God a favor showing up on Sunday. We thought we were being little Miss Pris. If we could show up on Sunday and give God his hour. We did. And we thought he was especially pleased if we went on Wednesday nights. And if we joined the choir, that was extra credit. We had no idea there was a word called obedience. And we had no idea if you didn't obey, it was called rebellion. It was called rebellion. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. It's called bad news. It's called stuff happens. Now, with that, let's turn to Romans 10. Because we as Christians, if we want to walk in the power of God, if we want to make it out of here in one piece, we are going to have to obey God. But do you know what? We don't even know what that obedience is. A lot of us, now those of us here do, but there's a lot of us that are listening to me, you don't even know what obedience is. When I first started considering obedience, I thought, well, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. I want to be obedient. I mean, it was, you know, you want to be obedient to your parents? Why? You don't get spanked and grounded if you obey your parents. You know, things stay peaceful. I said, well, just tell me what to do. And you know what? I couldn't find it. I didn't understand it. Well, you tell us to be obedient, and then you don't tell us what obedience is. Here we go again. How many times I have wrestled with God with this before I came to water of life. You want obedience? Tell me what obedience is. Tell me what to do. If you won't tell me what to do, you know, I told you, I, I felt like, I told God this. I was 17 years old, and I was telling God, I said, you know what, you, you know what I'm hearing here? I'm hearing that I need to do what I think I'm, that, that you're telling me to do. You know, I'm doing everything that I think you're telling me to do, and I'm not going to find out if I did it right or not until I get in front of you. And if I messed up, if I did it wrong, it's too late to fix it. I said, this isn't fair. You're not telling me what you want. You know what? He took that prayer and he led me here. And God opened up my eyes to the word of God. You know, you can come to Water of Life for 30 years and not get it. You're going to find out today what obedience is. And it's not every Sunday and every Wednesday night and every every night being here at Water of Life. That is not obedience. It might be part of it. But that is not what's going to get you the blessings of obedience. Now, let's go to Romans 10. I'm going to start in, let's see. Let's start in verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Got that? Then why do you think Jews are extra special? There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all, over all of us, whether we're rich or whether we're Jew or Gentiles, is rich unto all that call upon him. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter where you were born, who you were born to. The Lord is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. That's the word of God. And the word of God cannot be broken. You call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. But there's another level. There is another level. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How are you going to believe in Jesus if nobody tells you about Jesus? And it says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? One of the first things that God opened my eyes to when I was at Water of Life, that not everybody standing behind that pulpit was sent by God. In fact, the majority weren't. Oh, that was a blessing to hear. I didn't have to listen to everybody that said I needed to listen to them. I had to listen to who God sent. All right? Yes, he sent me. 
So without a preacher, and how should they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Notice how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Not the Ten Commandments. Doesn't say that, does it? Doesn't say the Ten Commandments. It doesn't say who memorized all the scriptures. What's it say? He that preaches the gospel, preaches the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not looked, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. You got that? They have not all obeyed the gospel. Did you know that the gospel has to be obeyed? I didn't. Did you know that the gospel has to be obeyed? Not maybe, not if, has to be obeyed. It has to be obeyed. Do you know it doesn't work in your life unless you obey it? You know, I've, I, I tell you what, I, I, this keeps coming up in my, my, head, my heart. And, and I remember the day I was standing out in the hall. I was here, it's probably 1985. Because my husband, my ex-husband, was, you know, I was talking to him about the gospel at home. He hadn't come here yet. And I was, I was so proud of myself. Oh, God bless me. And Dole was walking down the hall. I said, you know what? I asked my husband. I said, do you know what the gospel is? He didn't know what the gospel was. God have mercy on me. He didn't know what the gospel was, Dole. Neither did I. Until I got here, I had no idea. I spent up to, let me see, I started church, going to church every Sunday when I was in fourth grade. I finished going to the denominational church when I was a senior, uh, no, yeah, a, a sophomore in college. And then I went to an Assembly of God church for about a year, and then I stopped going. Not once in all those years of going every Sunday. Did I know what the gospel was? Let alone, not only didn't know what it was, I didn't know I had to obey it. You know, I, you, can, you can tout, I've been to water of life, I know what the gospel is. I know what the gospel is. Do you know what the gospel is? It's in 1 Corinthians 15. I know what the gospel is. Yes, but do you obey it? But do you obey it? Big difference. Big difference. And I'll show you in the next phrase what it means to obey it. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? How do you obey the gospel? You believe it. You believe it. Well, that's simple, we say. I hear some snickers because we've said that and then we've tried to believe it. Did you know obedience means to, to believe it? To obey the gospel means to believe it. Well, first, for some, you don't even know what the gospel is. I'm going to give you the bona fide definition of the gospel because it's in the Bible. God is not unjust. Thank you, Jesus. Man is unjust because he won't seek after God. God is not unjust. Everything that you need to do, everything you need to walk with God, to be in a relationship with him, he has put in this book if you will ask him to show it to you. He will. Thank God he's not unjust. He shows us exactly what the gospel is, the bona fide definition, what we have to obey. Right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, 
I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Do you know when you stand in it? That's obedience. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless I have believed in vain. You mean you can believe in vain? That kills. That kills. Once saved, always saved. With one word. If. If. You cannot say, once saved, always saved. But you have saved if you keep in memory. You got to walk it. Or it is in vain. You have to walk it, you have to obey it, you have to believe it, or it's in vain. You can't go to a camp meeting and go down front and receive Jesus on Sunday night, and then by Friday, you're doing something else and you don't even remember Sunday night. That is believing in vain. That is not going to get you out of hell. It's not. And you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. Now, it says, for I, believe, dear Lord, unto you, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which you also received. How? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. There's the first part of it. How Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. But it does not stop there. There's an and. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. There is the gospel. That Jesus died. That he was buried. He died. Jesus died an awful, awful death for you. And an awful death for me. And he was buried. Why? Because he was dead. He was dead. And how many times I've said this, you can't kill a God. You cannot kill a God. You can't even kill an angel. But Jesus died. Had to for you. He had to for you. So you wouldn't have to. Jesus died. He was buried. And the third day, God raised him from the dead. You need all three of those. He has to be raised from the dead. Or your sins, the, the sacrifice he made for you was in vain. He had to be raised from the dead. He had to be. You'll see that. And you say, well, how can you obey those words? How do you obey those words? Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Can you imagine this man's heart, Isaiah, when God revealed to him the gospel? Can you imagine what utter joy that man must have felt getting the revelation that was going to happen 700 years down the road? All right, we're going to begin with the same verse that was in Romans 10. Who hath believed our report? Now we know that when we believe this report, that's obedience. That's obedience. I'll read that again in Romans 10 so you understand it. It says, um, let's see, Romans 10. It says, verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who has believed our report? So where's our obedience? Our obedience is believing this report. That easy. That's easy, right? Yeah. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? We know that from other scriptures, that arm is Jesus. Has he been revealed to you? Has Jesus been revealed to you? Or is he just the name that your church has across the top? Has he been revealed to you? He can be. You can meet him face to face. Now, who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. As a root out of a dry ground, he has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Why? Well, if you go back 
to verse 13 of the previous chapter. You'll see why. 13 of Isaiah 52. Behold my servant. Here comes Jesus, the servant. Behold my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted, extolled, and be very high. Which is where he is right now. Notice verse 14. As many were astonished at thee. Looking at him on the cross. Why? His visage was so marred more than any man. Than any man. That's the Bible, folks. It's the truth. His visage was so marred more than any man. And his form more than the sons of men. His form was marred. The Jesus that you saw in the pictures that you had in Sunday school or the pictures you saw on TV are not the Jesus that is in the Bible. They're not. If you go to Psalm 22, it says every one of his bones was out of joint. Every one of his bones was out of joint on the cross. You'll see why. Marred more than any man, any man ever, that man had to be. All right? So shall he sprinkle many nations with his blood. The king shall shut their mouths at him for that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. Now, let's go down to verse 3. He, was des he is despised and rejected of men. The wonderful thing about this is Isaiah is getting the revelation of Jesus on the cross. He is understanding what Jesus is going through and he writes it down. By the Spirit, Holy Ghost, writing through him. And it says the Spirit of Jesus himself showing us what he was going to get ready to do. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, that's pains. Acquainted with grief, that word is sickness. Acquainted with sickness. Acquainted with sickness. A man of pain. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Notice the next verse. For surely, surely, that is the spirit of God talking out of a man. Surely. Surely he has borne our sicknesses. Surely that man on the cross has borne our sicknesses. Now, and carried our pain. And carried our pain. Now here comes the hard part. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Do you believe that? Has it manifested in your life? Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, you are in disobedience. They have not all obeyed the gospel. Did you know this is part of the gospel? Healing is part of the gospel. Not just being born again. Read it right here. That is, the, that is Isaiah the prophet. That is not your local preacher. That is not your TV preacher. That is not your grandma. This is the word of God. And the word of God here says that healing is part of that gospel. And we know from the beginning that we have to obey that gospel. Do you know, if you do not believe that healing was on the cross, that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our griefs, bore our sicknesses, carried our pains, if you do not believe that, you are not obeying the gospel. You are not. Obedience is believing it. And if you believe it, you're going to do everything you can to get it to manifest. You're going to spend the time it takes to get it to manifest. You are going to take the time to pray. You are going to take the time to worship. You are going to take the time to get in God's 
presence until you get it to work. Why? That's obedience. That's obedience. That's obedience. Amen? Ouch. Ouch. But we want the gospel. We want the full kingdom of God. We want all the blessings. We want to be prosperous. We want to be healthy. We want God to love us, which he does. But we want to be in his presence. We want all the blessings of God. But then we're going to have to obey that gospel. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You got that? Thank you, Jesus. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Well, I'm just bearing this burden of sickness for Jesus. Wrong. It was dealt with on the cross. That's disobedience. That's rebellion. That is rebellion. Ouch. If you sit there in that bed thinking you're doing God a favor, that is disobedience. That is rebellion. He said we must obey the gospel. We've got to get out of our sickness. We've got to work out of it. We've got to pray out of it. We've got to get underneath someone that preaches us the gospel. Why? Well, hearing the word, hearing the gospel brings faith. And faith will bring it to pass. Faith will bring it to pass. That's obedience. Next one, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You got that? He was wounded for our transgressions. Isaiah is even including himself in this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Got that one? That body bore our iniquities and our sins. You got that? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions, our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. I don't believe that. You're in disobedience. You're in rebellion. If you want to hang on to that sin, if you want to keep telling yourself, well, I just don't deserve my sins forgiven, you are not obeying the gospel and God is not a bit impressed with you. You know what Jesus said to the Jews? I mean, I love it how he said, he said, if you, or I think Paul said, if you want to count yourself unworthy for the gospel, you go right ahead. You know that's what you're doing if you don't get your sins forgiven through the gospel? You are telling God that what Jesus did for you is a waste of time. And he paid an awful, awful price for your sins. You need to put off that law. You need to get it off of you and you need to obey the gospel. You need to obey the gospel. I feel oh so unworthy. Welcome to the club. But Jesus died for you anyway. He died for you anyway. He took your sins anyway. He did it for you when you were at your very worst. Get rid of the sin. Obey the gospel. Obey the gospel. Obey the gospel. Get yourself justified. That's obeying the gospel. Believing that he paid for your sin. Believing that you were justified by that blood. That is obedience. Did you know that was obedience? Did you know that's what God's waiting on you for? Obedience. Obedience. The next one. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The chastisement, the punishment, the correction, whatever it took to get us peace with God was on that body. Oh, Isaiah must have been, how, how could have he even contained himself? I don't know. When God starts ministering this stuff to me, my heart gets so full, I think I'm going to burst. All right? It says, the chastisement of our peace, our peace, 
Our peace with who? With God. Our peace with God. Between us and God, Jesus made peace. Our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, that peace, that word is shalom. You know what that peace means? It means welfare. It means your welfare. And I'm not talking about the other side of the track's welfare. I'm talking about things good. Everything's cool. Bills are paid. Food on the table, that welfare. God put the correction to get that welfare on the body of Jesus. If you refuse to believe. Well, let's go on. It also means prosperity. That shalom, that means, that peace means prosperity. That means prosperity. Our prosperity, our poverty was put on the body of Jesus. It says that in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 9. It says that. It says, by the grace of God, Jesus took our poverty so that we might be rich. That was put on the body of Jesus, our poverty. Now I'm going to get some of you that grew up in religion like I did. That person's godly because they're so poor. That is a lie. That is a lie. If you think your poverty makes you more godly, you don't believe the gospel. Oh, it's okay to start out poor. I did. And it seemed when I first started in this, I got poorer and poorer and poorer. Why? Because God was changing my life from the world to the kingdom. And I had to get poor before I could get rich. But I pushed and I believed and I trusted and I fought and I prayed and I preached the gospel to myself a thousand, uh, thousands of times. And I got out and I got prosperous. Why? That was obedience to the gospel. If you think poverty is godly, you are not obeying the gospel. And you are saying that Jesus taking on your poverty was a waste of his time. You have to believe that God made you prosperous. That's part of obedience. That is part of obedience. You cannot stay poor. You must believe that Jesus made you rich, prosperous, always having what you need. I am not a millionaire. I am far from a millionaire. But you know what my prosperity does? I have everything I need when I need it. I always have everything I need when I need it. That's prosperity. When the bills do, I got the money for it. When, if I think, you know, if I need some clothes, the money comes for it. I have everything I need when I need it. Why? My bank account is in heaven. It is. And when I need something, God makes sure I have it. And you know what? There is extreme peace. No one. No one, even when it looks like there's a zero balance in your checkbook, the money will be there when you need it. That is peace. That is peace. And that's what God's after. If you will not let go of your poverty, you are not obeying the gospel. Let it go. Get rid of it. God spoke to me once, and I've said this, and some of you need to hear it. God said to me, you are comfortable in your poverty. Yeah, I didn't have to work for it. I was, I could be in poverty with no, no, I didn't have to work for it at all. Came in all by itself. I had to work to get out of it. I had to work with my faith, with my faith to get out of it. I had to work at it to get out of it. I had to do things I didn't want to do to get out of it. God led me step by step. Oh, I had to do, I had to spend some, you know, all night long working. 
I don't like to do that. But I had to do it to get out of it. Why? It was part of my obedience. It was part of my believing. God gave me work and it was going to take me all night. I did the work. Why? Because there was a check at the end of it. And I got out. I got out. That's obedience. That's obedience. Now, the chastisement our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. I want to go over one more thing with that peace. That peace also means security and safety. That gospel also means, that peace, that word there, also means security and safety. Did you know that? Have you even bothered to pick up a Bible to study it? To look at it, to read it, to get it in your heart? You're going to need it, folks. It means security and safety. To say, to be so afraid that you're afraid to go out your front door when God tells you to is not obeying the gospel. And you know what? You haven't given your life to God. I posted yesterday. And I thought it was kind of funny. It came up in my spirit. I said, if you know that you know that you know that if you died, you are going to be with Jesus. The moment after you died, it's going to be a lot easier to live. And that is the truth. A lot of fear goes away when you know where you're going to be if something happens to you. A lot of fear will go away when you get your life straight with God. A lot of fear goes away. Security and safety are part of the gospel. If you are so afraid you have to have a bodyguard around you all the time, you are not believing the gospel. You're not, and that's not obedience. Now, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians 2. 1, 2. I'm going to begin in verse 7. I'm going to finish here. It says, For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. This is the end of the world. And you know what? We are so close, you can taste it. We are at the end, folks. I know you've heard your great-great-grandfather say that, but we are at the end. The, the seals have already been broken, if you have any understanding in the Bible at all. We are at the end. Now I want to show you what this obedience must, we must have. The mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Wow. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. With all power and signs and lying wonders. This man of perdition is going to have miracles. He's going to do miracles. Big miracles. Big miracles. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. They're going to be. They're going to believe the lie. It says because they receive not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. And for this cause. Because they didn't believe the love of the truth. And you know what Jesus said? If you love me, you'll do my words. Don't you tell me you love Jesus and you don't do what he says. Don't you tell me you love Jesus and you won't obey that gospel. You're lying. You're lying. You're in rebellion. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my words. And Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. For this cause, God has sent them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. A lie. They'll believe a lie. Oh, I won't believe a lie. Really? That they all might be damned who believed not the truth. If you are not walking in the gospel, it says here, if you do not love the truth, and the truth is the gospel, if you do not love the truth, God will let you believe that lie. And then you perish. Do you see the importance, the necessity to believe, to obey the gospel? Not just to know it, 
not just to feel good about it, but to obey it. It is necessary that we obey the gospel. It is necessary. And one blessing when we do, 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls, thank you, Jesus, in obeying the truth. We know the truth is the gospel, Ephesians 1, 13. In purifying your, you, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and the unfeigned love of the brethren. It is necessary. We obey. We believe. We walk in. We stand in that gospel. Not just say it. Not just look at it. Not just read our Bible four hours a day. That won't get it. You've got to believe it. You've got to walk it. You've got to walk it. There is not a quiz at the end of this, the walk with Jesus. He is not going to sit there and quiz you. Now tell me what the gospel is. You know what he's going to look at? He's going to go to your works. He's not going to ask your head knowledge. How many Bible verses you've memorized? He's not going to do that at all. There's no quiz. He's going to open up the books and look at your works. Well, how do you have works? You believe the gospel. Jesus said, this is the work. This is the work. This is the work. John 6, 35, I think, John 6. This is the work of God. Believe on him whom he sent. And if you believe it, you will walk it. Amen? I'm going to give an opportunity for those that are not born again to open up your eyes. You can't even see the kingdom of God until you are born again. It could be right next to you. It could be happening all around you. But if you are not born again, it says you won't even see it. Being born again, giving your, opening up your heart to let the spirit of Jesus in. Not the Holy Ghost, the spirit of Jesus, Romans 9. I'm going to give us the opportunity. If you will pray after me, we will, you can pray and Jesus will enter into your heart and you can begin to see this kingdom of power, of power. Not Sunday morning church, Wednesday night church, Thursday choir practice. No, the power of God. Meeting, experiencing the spirit of the Father and Jesus. Pray with me. Father, I mean Jesus, open my heart. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Open my eyes. Lead me. Guide me. Be my Lord. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I give thanks, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. I thank you that there is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. You said if we will believe, we will see your glory. I thank you, Father. And your glory does things. 
Thank you, Father. There is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. I'm asking you, by the Spirit of God, if you need a miracle, I want you to raise your hand. Father, I thank you. There is nothing impossible with you. Raise your hand. Keep it up there. Come on. Show God. Over here. Like I said this morning. You see this t-shirt? It's got the blood of Jesus all over it. Father, there is nothing impossible with you. There is nothing, nothing impossible with you. There is nothing impossible with you right now. I get thanks. There is nothing impossible with you. I give thanks. There is nothing impossible with you. I get thanks. There is nothing impossible with you. Join your faith with mine. There is nothing, 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 nothing impossible with you. There is nothing impossible with you. I get thanks. There is nothing, nothing impossible with you. Now, Jesus, there is nothing, nothing, nothing impossible with you. I get thanks. There is nothing, nothing impossible with you. There is nothing, nothing impossible with you. Shate K, Shate K, Dresse Shate K, 
Amen. 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 Keep going. Keep going. Amen. Keep going. Amen. 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 There is nothing impossible with you. There is nothing. Amen. Break that yoke in Jesus' name. Break that yoke. There you go. Break that yoke in Jesus' name. Break that yoke in Jesus' name. Break that yoke in Jesus' name. Break it. There's nothing impossible. Break that yoke in Jesus' name. I get thanks. I bless every person in her life right now in Jesus' name. I bless every person. I thank you. You knew her from the day before she was born. I get thanks. She was yours. I break this yoke in Jesus' name. Is it getting easier? Uh, thank you, Jesus. There is nothing impossible with God. There is nothing impossible with God. There is nothing, Mama. There is nothing, Mama. There is nothing impossible with God. Amen? Amen. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.